Focus on customer service, participate in community activities to raise local visibility, reward patients who bring referrals to your practice. These are just a few simple ways to market your practice, even on a tight budget. What is it about these strategies that will give you the biggest bang for your buck? And what else can you do to keep your patient volume up during these leaner times? You are listening to ReachMD on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Business of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. My guest today is Judy Capco, founder of the practice management and marketing firm Capco & Company, based in Thousand Oaks, California. Judy's newest book is called Take Back Time, Bringing Time Management to Medicine. Judy, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Larry. So obviously we are in tough economic times and we need to still market our practices. How important does customer service become at this time versus any other time? Well, it's just as important as it is any other time and it's always a focus of how we grow our practices because it's the feedback we get from our patients and what they say out in the community that really makes a huge difference. Otherwise, you know, why are we even in business? If we right. can't do it right in the first place, that our customers aren't happy enough to want to come back and bring in people they know, then we are not hitting the mark. What's the rule of thumb out there that a happy patient tells so many people and an unhappy patient tells way more? Well, that's right. Between seven and nine patients are repeating back negative feedback to people they know when uh -huh. they have an unhappy experience. But when they're happy, you know, it's somewhere between one and three that they're talking about. So you have to make a lot of people happy. Right. But it's hard to please all the people all the time. Of course it is. But there are ways to handle the disgruntled person. There's ways to look internally at the practice and say, why did this happen? How can we avoid it again? Mm -hmm. um, it's really a matter of the culture of the practice, Larry. We have to really look at our practice and say, why are we here? And say, you know, these patients are important. They're why we exist. And they come with real needs. And it's our job to meet those needs. And it starts, as you well know, Larry, at the top. How is the doctor treating the patient? Right. Well, I tend to think I treat my patients quite well. And I try to instill in my practice and my staff to think of our office as the Ritz-Carlton of medical practices. But many of them have never stayed at a Ritz-Carlton, so they're not familiar with the level of service you receive there. But I give that service in the room. But, you know, a lot of times my front office staff does not have the skill set to do that. How do I teach them to do that? Okay, good point, Larry. Thank good point. You. First of all, your example of how you treat them as important as what you do inside the exam room because that's where you start customer service is how you treat your staff. And I'm not suggesting, by the way, that you're not treating them fantastic. What happens, and especially in busy practices like pediatrics or primary care, what happens is when we are training people, we are so short-staffed sometimes and we're so busy in the practice that we don't pay enough attention to training them on customer service. So I think the most important point is orientation and accountability. So if we don't have a lot of time to spend on training, we can certainly spend a half hour orienting that new employee and telling them how important it is to our practice and what our practice is all about, and then holding them accountable to a standard. If you start out right, you're going to be headed in the right direction, and then you're going to have other staffers setting a good example for the new person. Are there any services available either from your company or from the Internet where you can actually take, a, let's say, a webinar seminar on teaching customer service? Or is it something that is really not very well taught and just something you either have or you don't have? 
Oh, it can definitely be taught, but there's certainly people that are just better at it. And I do think that webinars are effective, and I do think that going to seminars is effective. But I think the best result, if you're really having trouble with it, is to have someone come in your office and work with your people. I was doing some customer service training, as a matter of fact, last week, where a practice I worked with some time ago called me and said, we're having a real problem because we're not getting these phone calls of people that are inquiring about our service converted into patients. So I worked with these people, and I listened to how they talk, and I went back, and they did have some telephone tracking that I could go back and look at prior calls, and there was just no enthusiasm in the voice. And so I had them listen to their communication, and we went through how could it have been done different, how could it be done better, and then you have to give them something they can hang their hat on. There was this one gal that said, I had no idea I sounded so bland on the phone. And I had her practice with me, and she still sounded bland. And I said, okay, tell me what excites you. When you go home at the end of the day, do you have kids? Or do you have a pet? And she said, oh, I have a kitten I love. And I said, well, how do you talk to your cat? And she gave me your conversation. I said, there, I heard enthusiasm. That's what I want to hear when you talk to your patients. So you have to give them something they can relate to that makes them feel warm and fuzzy. I've heard sometimes if you put a mirror in front of them while they're on the phone and they see themselves smiling, that that will actually translate over the phone. I've heard that too. But I think, you know, maybe a smiley face on the telephone is better because who's going to have a mirror out there where they're making the phone call? It's just not real practical. That's true. So what else can you do when you're on the phone to close the deal, to get that patient into the office? Does a script help? It helps to have some scripts, but I think you have to really focus on one thing. The person that's calling you is calling you because they want to buy your service. They're calling you, they're asking you to schedule an appointment, and you need to ask them to schedule the appointment and not be so open-ended. So a person calls you and they ask about your services, the best way to get them scheduled is to say, can I give you an appointment on Thursday afternoon? We have mm-hmm. an opening at 3 o'clock. Right, but even that is, can I give you, you should just say, maybe, let's schedule you, or what time would you like to come in, instead of giving them the option of if they can come in? Well, that's true. We'll start with that. Right. We'll start with, you know, any, anything that gets sure. them making the appointment, whatever that person that's talking to the patient feels comfortable with. And then we can work on refining it. Right now, they're not asking anything. I mean, I have listened to phone calls where a person calls and said, I'd like to make an appointment. Someone's on the phone three minutes later. When they hang up, we don't have an appointment. Wow. Something's wrong with this picture. Yeah. And it is training. Training, training, training. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, your host. Our guest today is Judy Capco, founder of the practice management and marketing firm Capco and Company, and we're talking about ways and strategies to market our practices on a shoestring budget. Judy, what other things should we be thinking about now to increase local visibility of our practices? Well, that's an excellent question, Larry, and I think it has to be, first of all, what's the comfort level of the doctor and who's going to give their time? Is it going to be the doctor, the nurse? Is everyone going to be involved? So it's me and I have no social skills and I'm afraid of talking. (laughs) Oh, you really gave me a challenge, didn't you? Well, then you're probably going to have to do some writing. Ah, good (laughs) idea. So you have to pick something that you can relate to and that's comfortable. And I think, unfortunately, most doctors don't say what you just said. I'm also illiterate and dyslexic. What else you got for me? Well, then you have to hire someone to do it, and that can be done as well. There is a solution to this wow, problem. you're good. Have you ever thought of going into consulting? <laughs> I just might do that when I grow up. <laughs> All right, go on, please. So there's a solution to every problem. And what you have to find out is what's near and dear to your heart, the doctor, the staff. What do you like to do? So, I mean, if you're an enthusiast for tennis or if you're just a health nut about diet, 
you know, those are the things you want to hang your hat on because you're going to be much more successful at something you enjoy. Unfortunately, a lot of doctors will listen to something that one of their peers did, and they'll want to mimic that, and they'll say, oh, you know, this doctor across town did this, and he got so busy. Well, that was that doctor, and maybe that's something that he could succeed at, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's the road you should take. So be true to yourself first. So if I don't want to do any of that, what kind of advertising actually works for doctors? Well, you know, I have a lot of bias here. I am just not crazy about advertising. Mm-hmm. It hasn't worked for me ever, so and that's it's why I'm asking. Your dollars are far better used to train that staff, work from the inside out, get involved in your community. But I'm not saying advertising doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You have to have a budget for it, right. and it has to be repeat, 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 and it has to be good, mm-hmm. and it should be relative to what you're doing. If you are an orthopedic that focuses on sports medicine, you know, being in the high school's program right. ad there might be suitable. The other thing is having your ad done professionally. Mm-hmm. Doctors tell me, oh, that ad didn't work, and then I look at the ad and I go, well, you can run this ad, you know, until the cows, cows come, come home. home, and you're never getting anything. So it has to be the quality of the ad and the way it's written. All your advertising should be designed so that the patient wants to respond to it, so that you give them a benefit. Don't talk about the features, how great you are, but talk about what they're going to get by answering this ad. What is an appropriate budget for marketing of a practice? Is it 5% of revenue, 1% of revenue? Is there a benchmark out there? Sure there is, and I personally think it should be 5% for every practice. But, however, a new practice can expect to spend substantially more, and it's also specialty related. If you're in plastic surgery or dermatology, you're going to spend a lot more the first year or two, but, boy, you're going to get the rewards three or four years down the road. And what if your practice is doing well and you're getting new patients just by word of mouth and you've never done marketing? Why start now? Well, there wouldn't be any need to unless you have something new that you've added to the practice. Mm -hmm. I mean, you are marketing continually. You're marketing by the customer service. We come back to that first question, the customer service you give, the way you treat your patients, making sure that you end each visit by asking if there's anything else you can do for the patient. You know, one of the things that I really notice, and it's pretty common thread out there when I'm doing uh, mystery visits or even when I'm just doing other types of consulting in a practice, the physician is marvelous and introducing himself to the new patient and treating the new patient differently than the average patient that comes through the door. We don't know this patient. We're developing a relationship. It's like dating. We misrepresent ourselves. We put on our best mask. You do a great job, (laughs) but your staff does a miserable job. They do a miserable job. They look at the patient as a task. Get rid of the sign-in sheets. Make them greet a patient. Make them give their name. Teach them this. Teach them to give their name, to smile at a new patient, to welcome them to the practice. It's not difficult. It should be a habit. Instead, they use the expression, greet them, treat them, and treat them. It's true. We need to look and say, this is a person. Treat that person like it's your mother, your sister, your brother, somebody you really care about, and not just a task that needs to be done. And we set ourselves up for that in the office. And sometimes we work against each other in the front and the back. You know, the nurse is saying, why haven't they got that patient chart ready for us? You know, we end up with bottlenecks at the front office, and the person is so overwhelmed with what they have to do that, you know, they can't think of it as anything more than a task that I have to quickly get through. And if I stop and start talking with the patient, I'll never get where I need to get. That's where we start looking at the things that are now out there to help us. You know, the technology tools are just marvelous, helping our patients learn more about our practice. So there are other things we can do where we tap into technology that wasn't available 20 years ago. I'm glad you just brought that up, using technology to market your practice. I am currently designing a new website. Well, good for you. I'm Thank proud you. of you. And I'm going to use this as an opportunity to get some free advice. Okay. What do I need to put on my website to make me stand out 
and to make my website better than everyone else's and make people want to come see me? What are the crucial elements? The crucial elements are, first of all, have it professionally written. You can write out kind of the things that you want that are important to you, but have it professionally written so they get rid of all the jargon that is medical-related and make it patient-sensitive. Okay, done. Focus on some basics up front. You know, what do I want to know when I'm selecting a doctor? I want to know a little bit about his background. So we're going to have to have access to a brief bio that says, I went to school here, and this is why I'm great. Do you need to put in pictures of you, you know, uh, windsurfing? Are you gorgeous? I'm not gorgeous, but uh, (laughs) I, I have a typical radio face. Well, I'm sure you're just perfect. Thank so, you, Judy. Just have a smiling picture of yourself. I personally don't care for the headshot. I'd rather see you, you know, sitting at your desk okay. or talking with your staff or, sure. or talking with a patient. What about putting video on there and actually having each provider talk, or is that just not necessary? It depends on what you have to say. Some of them are excellent. They should be short. I just recently viewed a website that has a wonderful, wonderful video for each doctor that's very short, but everything they're saying talks to the mission of the practice. What's mm-hmm. our mission? What's our culture? And it's consistent between each of the doctors, even though they're saying something different. So you want to look for consistency in your message. Mm -hmm. You want sincerity. You want to look at it from the patient's viewpoint. And give them some tools. Get them to MapQuest, how to find your office. So when you're on the phone with a new patient, your staff isn't spending 10 minutes telling them how to find your office. Right. Send them to the website. Have your website posted in the office. Have it on your business card. Have it everywhere so that people know this is where you go to get information about our practice. When I talk about tools the most common services that you give. You want to talk about perhaps some conditions that you treat. You want to give them some resources to go to. Because let's face it, your patients are coming in. Am I right with information off the Internet? Absolutely. And some of our doctors are going, oh, no, they've been on the Internet. Well, if they go to your website, you're going to give them links to Internet places where information is valid from your opinion and that you agree with. So you're helping build a consensus. Is there a threshold of how many links you want to have on there? Because if you put a link, they may go away from your website and not come back. So you want to kind of keep them on your website. Well, then I think the thing then is to look at, you know, not only how many tab bars you have for them to go to. The person that's looking for educational information is going to go to that tab. So you want to give it to them. You want to give them what they need. Don't overwhelm them. You know, like I said, pick the three most common conditions you treat or where you get the most questions from patients that... If they had more information before they came in, could tighten up your visit and respond better to the patient. Mm-hmm. So like a frequently asked questions tab. Frequently asked questions, yes. It takes time to build a website, too. Give it the attention it needs. Play with it a little bit. Go and say, if I was a patient, you know, have somebody you know go in that's mm-hmm. more objective than you and right. look at it before while you're building it. There are some excellent ones out there. There are some very poor ones out there. And sometimes we get a little too flashy where the person's going on site and they have to watch all this art. Mm-hmm. activity and right. interactive and movement go on of a butterfly moving around and it's taking them it says when can i really get where i want to go so be cautious with that avoid the fluff yes the glitz all perfect sense and all great recommendations and judy capco thank you so much for coming back on the show you're more than welcome my guest was judy capco of capco and company and we were talking about marketing strategies that will help our practices get the biggest bang for their buck in these tough economic times I'm Dr. Larry Caskell. You've been listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, and thanks for listening.